great to be here. It's lovely to be asked to just share on Mother's Day. And I was at Calvary Baptist this morning, and that was a lovely service as well. And it was great. Um, there's a group of girls that I work with on a Thursday. It was great to have most of them there at the service this morning. And just to sit under God's word. Just a group of unsaved girls who we meet with every Thursday. So keep praying for those girls. There was some tears in the meeting. Um, so obviously God was speaking. Praise the Lord. I heard there was somebody saved here this morning. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, God, God is at work. There's two here in the second row, and there are only babes in Christ as well. They're saved the past four weeks or so. So if you don't believe God is speaking, he is, and he's at work, and he is still saving people, praise God. And I was just thinking as Martina was speaking, and she was saying like 20 years ago is when God spoke to her. Just think, 21 years ago, you weren't saved. No thought maybe of God. And, you know, there's people maybe sitting in this room tonight, and Maybe they do have thought of God or no thought of God, but God maybe wants to speak to you tonight. But a few weeks ago, when Pastor Matt asked me to speak, and or was it Reese? It was Reese and Calvary Baptist, you know, and I was thinking, and it goes running around your head, what am I going to speak on? But I remember one night, Beth just called me. She's a habit of calling me in the middle of the night. Mommy, can you come in and lie with me? So you go in, and when you go in, she's fast asleep again. <laughs> But anyway, so I was lying beside her and then I came back into my room and just this verse kept going round and round in my head. And to be honest, I didn't know where it was. I knew it was in Isaiah and I had to Google it there and then to see what this verse was. And I just believe God put it on my heart just to share. And it's from Isaiah 49, verses 14 to 16. And it's all about God not forgetting you. So it says in verse 14 of Isaiah 49. Yet Jerusalem says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. You know, it's Mother's Day today. And it's all about mothers. It's all about um, children celebrating their mothers. And I was just thinking about that first, you know, have you ever thought like that, that God has forgotten you? And he puts that wee verse in the Bible and he says, well, let me put it like this. Can a mother forget her baby? And you're maybe sitting there saying, yeah, but Kim, there are some mothers have forgotten their babies. I remember one time round in Shankill Community Fellowship, I was up here like today and I was sharing this verse and there was a, a parent out, a single parent who had just lost her partner. Um, he had just left. Say we'll call him Tommy. So Tommy had left. So she was there with her mother and this newborn baby was sitting there. And I was reading this verse and I says, can a mother forget um, her baby? And the, the granny shouted out, I will Tommy forget his baby. <laughs> but she meant it. She was so real. Um, and I get that. That happens in life. Tommy did forget his baby. He left this girl. He left this baby. Imagine not wanting to know your baby. You know, I don't know if you've seen on Facebook, they're having a boy. <laughs> um, and it's so lovely, and we all want to celebrate with them. It's so lovely to even see that, um, and God bringing this wee baby into the world. But it's Mother's Day today, and I wonder you're sitting there, and you heard Athena this morning, and um, I wonder what does it mean to you? You know, a day has already passed, but what does Mother's Day mean to you? Is it just another day in the year? Well, the dictionary says it's a day of the year when mothers are particularly honoured by their children. History says it's normally the fourth Sunday of Lent and it's an opportunity for families to meet up again. And a lot have probably been to things today, maybe dinners, maybe you got um, 
an afternoon tea, maybe take a night for coffee. Do you know where I went? Funky monkeys. <laughs> That's where I went for Mother's Day today. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, and Beth even says, Mommy, it's your day and you can have coffee today. Thank you, Beth. Um, but I asked a few people weeks back. I sent around a few texts and I said, I want you to tell me what Mother's Day means to you. And I want you to be totally honest. And they were totally honest. And to be honest, more negative comments came back than positive ones. And then, if it was positive, it was mixed with pain. All the emotions that come back in all these texts was sadness, happiness, joy, love, hurt, pain, frustration, grief. It's another day, full of worry, full of anxiety. I have a friend on Facebook. I don't see her that much, but she's on Facebook. And you know, every day this week, she's had me stressed out. Um, starting on Monday, that town has nothing in it to wear. <laughs> Tuesday, I'm away in the town again. That town has nothing to wear. Wednesday. I'm sick of this town, it's nothing to wear. This was all she was worried about all week for today, to wear something to go out today. And she says, next year I'm not going out for Mother's Day. That's what she thought about Mother's Day. And I thought, you're stressing me out even reading those posts. Never mind getting into town to look for new clothes. But why are there so many emotions because of one day? Well, I suppose it all depends where we are in life and what life has dealt with this. And I know today is hard. I don't know what you've got going on there. And this is for the men as well. I don't know what's going on in your life. And maybe today has been hard for you. There's so much sadness. Maybe somebody has lost a mother. They're not here anymore to share that special day. Um, maybe it's a day of regret. It's a, a day when you um, think about what you should have said or what you shouldn't have said to your mother. It's a day of pain and frustration because you aren't a mother. And maybe you know that you'll never be, which causes more pain. Maybe it's a day of anxiety and worry because relationships have broken down with your mother or daughter and it looks impossible to fix. I'm working with a lady at the minute and the relationship has broken down with her daughter and the daughter and the mother. And it's so painful to watch. You see the hurt on one side and you see the hurt on the other side and you just want to put the two in together. And I know the two of them just want to hug each other and have a relationship. Why is it so hard? It's so hard because of sin and jealousy and hatred and all this here. But it looks impossible to fix. Maybe your own mother has forgotten you or your daughter has forgotten about you. But maybe this is your year and it's a day filled with joy and happiness because you get to spend it with your mother or the child that you always dreamed about you have or is coming. But then we can look at it the other way. Things are going good for you. Have you forgotten God? because things are going so well. But whatever your circumstances, you may think God has forgotten you, doesn't care about you, he blesses others, but he doesn't bless me. And you see all these blessings going on, you go, why does he always seem to bless them? But he doesn't bless me. Well, the first that I read at the beginning says, if you are a mother, it looks impossible that you can forget your baby. The baby that you brought into this world, or if you're looking on, to somebody else, it looks impossible for somebody to even do that. But it happens. You turn on the news, you turn on social media, you read it every day. They're always looking for foster cares, you're looking for adoptive parents, you're finding babies in doorways, you're finding babies in bins. God says, Can a mother forget her baby or have no compassion? Yes, it happens. But even if this happens, even so, even if this happens, God says, I won't forget you. I won't forget you. Don't compare God to human relationships. You know, God says, I don't want you to compare. I am different. 
down there is full of sin. This is not the way God wanted it to be. So it says also in those verses that we're on the palms of his hands. My goodness, is that amazing? What does that mean, that we're on the palms of his hands? But three weeks today, it's going to be Easter Sunday. And go back to Good Friday. That's the day when he went to the cross for you. Amazing. Yeah. You know, you know, we best at an age, she's five, and she's asking all the questions. And one day we were in New Look and she says, Mom, you know the way you say God takes away our sin? Yes, Beth. Where's he take it to? <laughs> <laughs> This is in the middle of New Look, and I'm thinking the whole shop's going to hear me here. But it's so true. Children just take it literally. Where did he take it to? And to be able to sit down and to explain the gospel to a child, but a child also picks it up. I picked it up when I was seven. I don't know what age you are tonight, but you can pick it up. If, if you want God to speak to you, allow him to speak to you. Allow, him to, allow your ears to hear what he's saying to you. But he, he says to you tonight, your names are on the palms of his hands. When he died on that cross on Good Friday... Three, in three weeks' time, you're going to learn about Jesus going to the cross for you. Not for the other side of the church, for you. You know, you heard Martina's story. She says it happened when she was 19. Even though she's from a Catholic family, you know, or wherever you're from, she went out and she's seen the ocean and she realized, no, there has to be a God. And maybe you're sitting there tonight and you're saying, Kim, I do. I really do believe there's God. I believe when I was seven, even though my parents didn't believe, I knew, well, up to you. If you want to believe, you believe, but I'm going to believe. I know there's a God and his, my name is on the palms of his hands because those nails were put through for me. Praise God, all the sin, even when I was seven, I knew I had done wrong. I knew I needed to sort it out and I says, God, I'm sorry, please help me to live for you. And he has. But do you ever meet somebody and you say, what's their name again? I don't know their name. And you go through the alphabet and you get to say it and you still haven't got their name. And you just talk on as if you've known them and yes, yes, and you can't get their name. God isn't like that. God knows your name. He knows all about you. He's not going to the next person. What's her name again? She's talking to me again. I don't know her name. God knows you inside out. Wow. And he knows because he died for you. But I wonder, is your name now in the Lamb's Book of Life? You know, he died for you, but now it's over to you. Are you going to believe so that he can put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life for when he comes back again? Beth again. I know I keep saying about Beth, but it is me and Beth. But she was listening to that wee song on the radio the other day. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Here's says, Mommy, Jesus is coming back. He is. He's coming back. But he's only coming back for those who believe. Those who believe that Jesus died for them. But I want to talk to you about a lady in the Bible who struggled with all this. And we're all in the same boat. Even men. Men struggle with this. Ladies struggle with this. And it's found in Genesis 16. I'm going to read it to you. And hopefully, yeah, there we go. So this is what it says. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant and treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. Abram replied, look, she is your servant. Deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. She ran away. 
The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar's servants, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Laharoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can be still found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. My goodness, only one chapter in the Bible, and look what all's in that one chapter. So this lady, she couldn't take in that God would love her. I'm going to talk about Hagar. She thought that God had forgotten her, didn't see her, didn't hear her, wasn't interested in where she was in life. In her eyes, her life was horrible. Why would God leave me here? And I just thought, is that you? Maybe you're here because you were asked. But I believe you're here because God wants you here tonight. And he wants to tell you something. He sees where you are, he hears your prayers. In this chapter, there's three main characters, Abram, Sarah, and Hagar. And in chapter 15, God gives promises to Abram and Sarah. Abram and Sarah love God, and God gives them promises. And it's really hard to believe, because in verse 4, he says to Abram, you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. They were promised a son. Verse 5, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, I want you to look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. When you go home tonight, and when it's really dark, look up to the sky it's impossible to count all the stars. And God says, that's how many descendants that you're going to have. It was an amazing <coughs> promise, but they had to wait. And normally that's what God does. He gives us promises, but we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. But are we going to believe what God says he will do? We'll have to wait on God. Or are we going to take matters into our own hand and try to sort things out? So they take these promises off God, and then Sarah starts to doubt. It actually says in first one that she wasn't able to bear children to Abraham. I'm sorry, but I would probably doubt if I went to the doctors. The doctor says, I'm sorry, you can't have children. But God told me, I think I would start to doubt as well. When something looks impossible, we do start to doubt humanly. But that's when God wants us to put our faith in him. When I got the house in Sydney Street West, it was a habitat house. And, but before that, I'd put... It was sale agreed on an apartment around the corner. And then the next thing, Habitat rang me and says, Kim, we're going to offer you a house. And I was like, no, I've sale agreed around the corner. And they were like, are you listening to what we're saying? We're offering you a three-bedroom house. And I was like, God, what do I do? This is after looking at 32 houses. And I'm like, is this the house you want for me? Is it? So I went around to see the house. And they says, the only thing you have to do to get this house is work 300 workers and help build it. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I remember walking around the block of Sydney Street West, down Danube Street, and praying and saying, God, do you want me to take the house or do you want me to take the apartment? 
and I was walking along one of the houses and in the window of the house, so there's a big square window in my door and all the doors were the same and in the window it was like somebody had in their fingerprints said Jesus is alive and I just felt God was saying come I'm alive, I can see, I can hear what's going on, I want you to have the house, the house is yours and you know what, I'm still in that house 12 years later, helped to build it and I'm in that house, me and wee Beth is in that house 12 years later. When God gives a promise, after looking at 32 houses, and I thought, I'm never going to get a house. I got my house. So where's Kirsty? Kirsty, you keep believing. <laughs> Don't know where she is there. <laughs> you keep believing, Kirsty. So, but Sarah, Sarah stops believing. She takes matters into her own hand. And in those days, maybe you hear for this, but in those days, it was culturally acceptable to have a second wife. Would you like that? Second wife. <laughs> um, so Sarah suggests to Abram, <laughs> <laughs> That's a nervous laugh. <laughs> so Sarah says to Abram, why don't you go to Hagar and she can bear a child and then legally it will be mine. Oh my goodness, you can already see the mess before we even get there. It all sounds okay, but it goes horribly wrong. When you even get home tonight, you keep reading the story to see what happens. So it happens, Hagar gets pregnant and she has a son to Abram. But this isn't the way that God planned it. And sometimes we can, we can go ahead and say, God, you're taking your time in this. I think I'll just go on ahead and sort it out myself. It's just a recipe for disaster. And this is what happened with this family. All those different emotions are displayed between Hagar and Sarah. Hatred, jealousy, frustration, anger, hopelessness, all because they disobeyed God. But I want to focus on Hagar. It says in verse 6 that Sarai treated her so harshly that she ran away. So here's a pregnant lady all on her own who was going to look after her, help her, provide for her. But she thought that was better than staying with this lady who was going to treat her really bad. And probably Abraham would treat her really bad. And they've just used her and abused her. And she thought, I'm not staying there. I'm going to go on here and sort out my life myself. I'm not going to trust in God. But the Lord, this is amazing, the Lord appears to her in verse 7. So wherever you are, even if you're running away from God and you're saying, I've had enough God, I'm going to sort out my own life, God can still appear to you. And he appears to Hagar, and this is what he says, and this is what I want you to go away with tonight. He says, Hagar, where have you come from? As if he didn't know. And where are you going? Where have you come from? And where are you going? So if the Lord asked you that question tonight, what would you say? Or are you stuck? You know, maybe you don't want to answer the Lord where you've been. And maybe you don't want to tell him where you're going. Maybe you just want to stay where you are. Because you don't really know where you are in life. You know, if the Lord was to answer me, praise God, I can stand here tonight and say, Lord, I'm coming from a place of grief. But I want to go on with you. I don't want to stay stuck in that place of grief. You know, and I can. I can go on, you know. As I shared my testimony not so long ago, three years ago, in the space of eight months, I lost my dad, my mum, and a marriage. So I was just thinking today, that's 75% of my family I lost in the space of eight months. And I was left with wee Beth. Praise God. Praise God. So in the midst of a mess, look at God, give me wee Beth. Praise God. But I, I just want to say to God, no, I want to go on with you. I don't want to be stuck. I want to go on with you and I want to claim all your promises and can I, I can honestly say that God has looked after me and we Beth. I want to claim the promises that you're going to bless me, help me, provide for me, look after me. Do you know what God wants? He just wants our honesty. There's no point in saying to your friend, listen, 
you say, God, I'm struggling with them, and then not tell God? You know, you're telling your friend, oh, just, and you're afraid to tell God. God knows anyway. You know, God's saying to Hagar, where have you come from? Where are you going? What is your honest answer? You're going to say to him tonight, God, I'm fed up. I'm really fed up. I'm hurting. I'm fed up in this situation. I don't even want to look to the future. That's okay. Tell God. Let God heal you. That's what he can do. That's what he wants to do. So Hagar replies, where am I going? I'm running away from my mistress, sir. Did you see the way she treated me? Maybe she thought God was going to say to her, I can know. I know. I'll deal with her. Just you stay here and I'll look after you. Know what God says? I want you to go back. And sometimes that's what God does. We want to move on and God says, but I want you to go back. And she was probably thinking, I can't go back. That's a place of hurt. I can't be hurt anymore. I don't want to go back. But that's what God does. Just, I remember when I was in the East and before lockdown happened and you were all meeting here and I'm being honest, I was jealous. I wanted to be here. And I, I was jealous because I had to go to the East and I just said, Lord, I went back to the shankle. You know, I want a fellowship at Living Hope. I am being honest. And God says, you're not going. You're staying here. And there was a bit of hurt over there. And I says, God, I hate this. I, I, right, I'll do my own thing. And I'm even looking up. Maybe I could get a job. Maybe I could sort this out. I even remember talking to Tim one day. And I says, Tim, what do you do? But anyway, praise God. Look, look where I am. He's worked it out. He has worked it out. All because we have to keep following what God wants us to do. So what is God saying to you today? Maybe the first thing he's saying to you, get your life sorted with him. You know, these two girls down here, about, I don't know, two months ago, they didn't know what was happening to them. And we were saying to them, your next God is speaking to you. And I remember Diane saying to me, no pressure, Kim, no pressure. <laughs> but I remember the night that she rang me and she says, Kim, the penny has dropped. Amen, the penny has dropped. And she says to me, I'm sorry for focusing on you, Diane. But she says to me, um, for years I've heard the gospel. Why did I never get up? Because that night was her night. And maybe tonight is your night. So Hagar had to go back to that place of hurt, but sometimes that's God's will for your life. It's better doing what he says than trying to run from the hurt. We'll only run into more hurt. So God's promise to her, he says, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Ishmael. And what does Ishmael mean? God hears. God hears. I've been through a period there where I thought, Lord, please don't let me lose this house. Please don't let me lose this house. Do you know what Beth means? house and when I thought about that and somebody gave me that promise I thought I'm not going to lose this house and I haven't lost the house God is amazing he has kept our house for me and Beth he says to Hagar the Lord has heard your cry of distress if you're in distress tonight God hears verse 17 she says you're the God that sees me so he hears and he sees even if your life is messy the way Hagar's was you know she was working for a wee family now she's pregnant to the husband and the family. Now she's away off on her own thinking, how am I going to do this? But she knew that God was in control. She knew that he would look after her and her son. But she had to obey. That's the key. We have to obey. So even though your life may be messy, but are you willing to listen to God and believe that he sees where you are, believe that he hears your prayers? Well, even if you're not a Christian tonight, I know we've all prayed. But are you going to pray tonight and believe that God is listening to your prayers. He wants us to face our problems with his help. So, the first step that he wants for you to do is to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for you. Remember again that your names are written on his hands. They're there for a reason. Think about it. 
He has done his bit, but are you willing to believe and accept his forgiveness? So two questions again I want to leave with you on Mother's Day. You know, this night could change your life, whether you're saved or not saved. You know, you could be saying in years to come, I remember it was on Mother's Day that God said to me, where have you come from and where are you going? But it's up to you.